0: What can be done to protect employee retirement accounts from cyber criminals committing cyber attacks? Find out on the next On Air with Myrick O'Connell right now. Welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. I'm Howard Kaplan. It seems like every week there is news of another company hit by a cyber attack. These attacks are on the rise around the globe. Considering America's workers have an estimated $9 trillion in assets in retirement accounts, what can be done to protect those assets from cyber criminals? The U.S. Department of Labor recently issued its first-ever guidance for plan sponsors, fiduciaries, record keepers, and plan participants on cyber security. Tony De Silva, a partner in the business group at Myrick O'Connell, is here to talk about the new guidance and what employers can do to manage the risk. Tony De Silva, welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell.
1: Well, thank you, Howard. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: First off, Tony, who is at risk mostly for a cyber attack or security breach in this context?
1: There are really three primary parties that are at risk. The first are the employees or participants in the retirement plans their personal information, as well as their assets and under the plan are at risk. The, um, the employer who sponsors the plan is at risk because they uh, act typically as fiduciaries and have a responsibility to protect the participants against internal and external cyber threats. And if they don't do that, then they are in breach of their fiduciary duties, which can lead to uh, significant consequences for the employer and the fiduciary. And then lastly, the record keeper. Most organizations engage third parties to serve as a service provider to take care of individuals' accounts or accrued benefits and all that nitty-gritty that's about there collecting data, collecting investment information, keeping track of benefits, and uh, reporting those benefits out to the participants and to the uh, IRS and other agencies. And those service providers are also at risk because they usually hold the data that hackers want to get access to. So they're also at risk.
0: And Tony, what is the U.S. Department of Labor doing to help prevent these cyber attacks?
1: Well, they very recently issued uh, guidance for plan fiduciaries, plan sponsors, which are typically employers, uh, service providers, as well as to the participants, the employees in the plans. And they issued these this guidance in really three forms. One is guidance for plan sponsors and employers that is designed to help them make sure that when they select a service provider, they're selecting a service provider that has strong cybersecurity protection. Uh, and that's important because the employer and plan sponsor need to select a service provider that has a structure in place to protect the critical data and asset information in the plans because if they don't do a good job of selecting the service provider then ultimately the employer and plan sponsor are responsible for that decision. So there's guidance that's out there to help the employer make good decisions and live up to their fiduciary responsibilities. That was posted and available for employers to follow. It's not regulations, but they're referred to as tips. But in the language describing these tips, the Department of Labor uses the word should. So I think it's more than just a suggestion, if you will. It's actually based on the drafting of these tips. It it really reads more like a requirement. So there's that guidance out there for them But there's also guidance out there for the uh, service providers to make sure that the service providers are doing everything they can do to protect the data and and, and the assets of these participants in the plan. And there is a lot of detail in these best practice guidance for service providers, uh, all really being built and drafted to make sure that the walls are being built to keep out these hackers who obviously are very interested in getting access to the information, the assets, the plans. As you mentioned, there's over $9 trillion in retirement plans in this country
0: right now. Now, Tony, what tips would you give to businesses when hiring a retirement plan service provider?
1: I would say to start at the beginning, if you will, in terms of the discussion of what they should do, employers and plan sponsors should have a committee dedicated for overseeing the plan operations and the investment decisions that are made regarding plan assets. Not all employers have a retirement or pension committee, and if they don't, they should have one. And that committee should have a charter that describes in detail what the responsibilities are of the committee, what their role is vis-a-vis the participants, the plan, the structures of the committees and how frequently they meet and how their decisions are recorded and communicated ultimately to the board. So that's for starters, that should exist. Secondarily, assuming that committee is built, uh, the committee should look at that charter that they have that basically guides them through the journey of living up to their fiduciary responsibilities and taking care of these plans and their participants, they should incorporate into that charter the guidance the the Department of Labor is issuing along with cybersecurity. I'm highly confident that most committees do not have built into their charters the information that the Department of Labor wants to see in terms of having these committees make sure that they're doing all they can to protect the assets and the participants from a cyber attack. And so they really should go back and look at their charters and incorporate all this guidance into that charter and not just have it there on paper, but also incorporate all the actions the Department of Labor is looking for from these committees and the plan sponsors. Make sure in, in, in act, their actions are in fact consistent with what needs to be done to secure uh, these plans and, and their people and their assets.
0: And Tony, what are some additional cybersecurity program best practices that you would recommend as well?
1: The things that I think employers should really make sure are in place at their service provider is around ongoing audits and assessments of the risks associated with how the service provider is carrying out their function. Technology changes. The hackers get more sophisticated. The technology the service provider has built can very quickly be antiquated. So what kind of ongoing processes, and they should be formal processes, does this service provider have to make sure that they're at the cutting edge uh, when it comes to protecting against cyber threats? They need to make sure that these third parties, the company needs to make sure, these third parties that they're hiring have these processes in place and they're continually updating those processes. They also need to ask for uh, a review of the audits that these third parties have. And if they're not having audits, they should insist on it. uh, Looking at the results of those audits to see if there are weaknesses that are discussed or brought up in the audit that needs to be addressed. And they also should make sure that these service providers have a review by a third party regarding their controls. The controls are really critical because they are designed to either allow for or protect against certain parties getting access to data in certain systems. And uh, so we need to make sure that control environment is as tight as it can be and as safe as it can be. So they should insist on these providers engaging third parties to have these control assessments just to make sure that the environment's safe, as safe as it can be. They also should be in- insisting on these service providers having insurance that are going to protect the plan and the assets of the participants against internal threats and external threats, and that the insurance is adequate. Need to make sure that the service provider has disaster recovery policies in place. What happens when there's a disaster? How does the data get recovered? What about the backup plan? And frankly, they need to look at the contract that they have with the service provider and review it in light of what this guidance says and make sure that all the language that the guidance suggests they have in that contract around protecting the assets in the plan is there. And that will no, no doubt be a, a negotiation process, but they need to engage in it. And they need to also, once the contract's reviewed, once they're comfortable that the controls are sound, the audit's showing no defects, that just ongoing monitoring. You can't just look at the provider and make an assessment in terms of how successful they are at protecting against hacks today and then leave it on the shelf. You need to have an ongoing process for continuing to look at the activities and uh, security that's going on with the new service providers. Because things change.
0: Absolutely, really, really good advice, Tony. This leads me to my next question: What bottom line advice do you have, Tony, for third party providers and employers listening, and also in terms of how Myrick O'Connell can help in this area? Well,
1: I think I touched on some of what we'd I had to recommend, but. To recap, they need to make sure they have the right governance structure in place so that there are individuals who are responsible for overseeing the plan, they have clear guidance vis-a-vis what their responsibilities are, and they're meeting regularly to make sure they're living up to those fiduciary responsibilities. That, that's really key. And they need to look at that structure that they have and their charters and incorporate into it this guidance from the Department of Labor because this guidance is important for a couple of reasons. One is it provides a clear uh, path for what the Department of Labor is providing for employers to follow vis-a-vis living up to fiduciary duties. And secondarily, there's an awful lot of litigation going on around challenging the decisions being made by plan sponsors and employers and fiduciaries, or whether or not they really are protecting the assets of the plan, uh, making sound decisions regarding the administration of the program and the investment of assets and the like. Um, And this guidance the Department of Labor issued is a roadmap for plaintiffs to follow when there's a breach of a plan. So if your plan is breached, you can be sure that certain members of the plaintiff's bar will be looking at what the fiduciary did, what the plan sponsor did to protect the plan and and the participants. And they're going to compare what they did vis-a-vis this guidance. So it's really important that they take it seriously. I, I would also suggest that the employer and plan sponsor also look at its own control environment, looking at who has access to data, how tightly that access is controlled. Is there an ongoing review of who has access um, happening? It should be happening. Should happen every, frankly, every few months. Look at who has access. Do the folks that have access, should they still have access or not? Uh, that's also really important. And the employer should also think about in the level of insurance they have vis-a-vis protecting them against fiduciary breaches? What does that insurance contract provide for? Are there exclusions? In other words, what doesn't it cover against? And is it adequate to protect the the employer and the fiduciaries And if it isn't making changes to that policy to the extent they can to protect themselves? And what we can do to help employers is, again, is look at that governance structure, add to it or develop it if it's not in place, change their charters and their guidelines in terms of the responsibilities, how often they meet, what they're doing to protect against cyber threats, uh, as well as looking at that coverage that they have in place and determining if, in the fact, they are protected in the event there is a breach.
0: We're talking with Myrick O'Connell, business group partner Tony De Silva about Department of Labor issuing cybersecurity guidance for retirement plan sponsors and fiduciaries. This is a really big issue, particularly with the cyber attacks happening in different contexts. You never can be too careful. And I want to thank you for coming on to Myrick O'Connell's On Air with Myrick O'Connell, Tony. Thank you so much. Thank you, Howard. So if folks want or need to contact you about this issue or other business issues, how can they contact you? Email is
1: always uh, a safe way to communicate. Our uh, We have good security systems here. My <laughs> <laughs> email address is adesilva at com, And obviously... Uh, phone is also available. And that's
0: uh, 617-320-3553. I'm Howard Kaplan. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you learned something here about this very important topic. Take care and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court.